0: Hi, I'm Jason Jessup, CEO of Magna Mining. Magna is a Sudbury-focused exploration development company with two advanced stage nickel copper PGM assets in Sudbury.
1: Uh, Jason, good to see you again. I'm seeing you since December. In fact, I managed to catch up with the Mines and Money as well. Good uh, we catch up there off screen, as it were. Um, yeah. Hey, wow. Uh, things have changed since we last spoke. 50 cents. Um, I think you got up to its highest one. F- Forty nine, Um sort of down as a sort of more, more respectable one ten at the moment. Uh, you guys must be pleased with the reaction from the marketplace.
0: We definitely are, are quite pleased. It's been a, a great reaction, and not overly surprising, but you never know. Um, we put out some some great drill results. Uh, we had a a you know very uh, well received financing private placement that we announced last week. So things are on track moving forward quite quite well, and uh, and the markets are are receiving it uh, very positively.
1: Yeah, so um, let, let's let's talk about what exactly people are excited about, and it's got to, got to go straight to the grade. I mean, you, you talk about like I think it was like four four percent over thirty one meters. Um, that's exceptional when it comes to nickel, um, anyway. And you're talking it's. it's Quite shallow uh, at the moment, so we, we you know we look back at the last three holes, super super positive, one better than the last. You can't keep that going. So, what's the plan with it, when it comes to the drilling and the, and, and the drill bit and where you're targeting?
0: So to reiterate, our our first program we drilled back in uh, ten holes back in November. That was really drilling within the resource to support our PA, which is well underway. Uh, The drilling has, you know, given us new data, uh, a better understanding specifically, and and especially in the footwall areas of the 101 footwall and the 109 footwall. Uh, These are two areas that were previously misinterpreted um, by the the previous owners. And now that we've drilled them, we have our own core, we've studied them. uh, We recognize that these are two uh, Sudbury Breccia hosted footwall zones, one very dominant in nickel, one rich in uh, precious metals and and lower sulfide, but still with a very high grade, massive sulfide nickel um, copper PGM core. So, we are taking this data. um, We're using this to optimize our PEA mine plan. Now that was the 10 holes we drilled back in November. We started drilling last week and we're on our, I think we're halfway done our second hole now. And the drilling in 2023 is going to be exploration based. It is going to be the purpose to extend resources as well as to test new theories and exploration targets, especially in the footwall, um, where we believe that there's really good potential for a new discovery. Right.
1: But but given how things have advanced relatively quickly and of the success of the job recently, you've started the PEA process. Um, it was a very difficult environment for economic studies last year. Companies putting them out invariably got punished because it, it, it showed, you know, quite, well, quite a difficult capital structure for, for most. I mean, given the successful of the job, would you be excused or is there any intention to um, maybe extend this exploration component and extend the amount of drilling and the amount of capital thrown at that and delay the PEA?
0: No, we have a, a very significant resource. 31 million tonnes of indicated resource between open pit and underground. So it, we do not need more resources to start looking at mining scenarios. The great thing about our resources at um, Crean Hill is they start near surface and, and, and not surface in some areas, um, such as the 109 foot wall. So the ability to take advantage of that shallow high grade resource um, in a, you know, a potential mining method, and especially utilising one of the two Um, underutilized mills that are operating in the area, um, we think is a great opportunity. And that's what's gonna be explored with the PEA, as well as some trade-offs and synergies with Shakespeare. But we think that there's uh, some real advantages, and especially when we have such high grade mineralization on surface that could be very highly profitable, high margin type material. Um, So we're working through that process. We still are targeting uh, early in Q2 to have the PEA completed. And, you know, we think it will uh, be able to demonstrate the potential economics very well and give us some recommendations for further work that needs to be done looking forward towards potential um, construction and and commercial production decision.
1: Right. Okay. So I I think everyone's got excited. You sound a bit excited and, you know, you know, really looking forward. You're not even you haven't even delivered a PEA yet, but do the grades. At the depths that you're finding them, do they say to you, given your your previous experience, I'm not asking you to make forward-looking statements, but can you give us some indicative statements about how you feel about how you can approach this? Do those grades, at the depths that they're at, allow you to perhaps accelerate the economic Phase of this because you're already in this conversation talking about, or potentially with tolling, you can get some cash flow um, that could, you know, help help reduce the um, dilution for shareholders. Could help you with your expansion into production further down the line. So, ha- how are you viewing this project?
0: Yeah, so to give a little bit of background Matt, for yourself and for for your viewers, my background largely in Sudbury. I spent six years with FNX Mining right from the time we were just really getting going at the McCready West mine, which is the first mine FNX brought into production, um, all the way through the development commercial production at the Lavac mine and the Podolsky mine. So really I'm taking that experience that we had and and much of our team are our former FNX colleagues, taking that experience and using that uh, when we start looking at opportunities for early stage near-term production. Uh, What we see here is, is much like what we saw at FNX. There's resources near surface, easily accessible. Um, in this case, we are looking at both open pit, so potential starter pits near surface, as well as potential ramp access, which would be a new ramp development, but to shallow depths. And you know, this is what the PA is looking at. What's that balance between open pit and underground? Where should we start mining? where do we potentially want to look at a bulk sample to get better understanding, especially of the 101 and the 109 footwall zones. So these are the things we're looking at, but you know, we at uh, previously at FNX, we mined many deposits that were not in any form of PEA or pre-feasibility study. Because our team has been in Sudbury for decades, has mined these deposits, I think one strength we absolutely have that's undisputable is we have a very strong geological team. We're very much focused on Sudbury because that's where our experience and expertise for decades has been. So we're using that to get an understanding and you know we have well-drilled off resources we believe that based on these grades, there's a high probability that we can move them forward economically.
1: Right. Okay. So, um, so again, for the uninitiated, uh, please explain who FNX, uh, is, what did they do? What, why would you ter- determine that as a successful
0: strategy? And why would you want to emulate them? So back in around 2002, um, FNX was a, a junior company, 25 cents stock, Led by uh, Terry McGiven, who was uh, formerly the VP of Exploration for Inco um, here in Sudbury, and <clears throat> he was leading this FNX junior team. was able to acquire five past-producing properties from Inco, um, and then continued on to explore them. In 2000, late in 2003, um, brought the McCready West mine back into production through toll milling. Um, I joined about a year after that. And then subsequently made some discoveries in the footwall, um, You know, at a time when metal prices we were in a bull market for nickel and copper, uh, made a discovery at the Podolsky mine, you know, started sinking a shaft out there. And so we were able to, using cash flow from the McCready West mine, um, fund the construction and the restart of the Levac mine and the Podolsky mine. And ultimately, you know, from 2002, raised their first money at 25 cents. We raised money at $0.27 cents for our acquisition, um, traded up by 2007 to a high of $39. And between 2000 and 2010, FNX Mining was the best performing stock on the TSX. So it was a fantastic ride, You know, a lot of things went right, a lot of timing, but I would give a lot of credit to our exploration team and our operations team, which I was a big part of. Uh, I think we did a lot of things right and very different than um, the approach that the majors would typically take here in Sudbury.
1: Right. So it's, uh, let's let's talk about a few of the details here, because um, I always love getting into the detail when there's a plan. So with regards to um, the, let's start with the drilling first. So you talk about a big exploration um, program. Obviously you raised, what, 20 million back in September. You raised 16 million um, last week. And I'm not sure when that will um, actually um, close. But how much drilling, exploration drilling, will happen this year? And what, what could that add to, to you in terms of the size of the resource, or is it more about getting more certainty around the the resource that you've got, which is already quite big?
0: Yeah, so you know, prior to this financing, we had budgeted fifteen thousand meters of exploration drilling at Crane Hill, and another three to five thousand meters in twenty twenty three for Shakespeare and the regional targets that we have. Now, with this larger financing, it does beg the question: we have the capacity to do quite a bit more drilling. Um, so we're looking at that right now, trying to determine exactly how much more drilling we want to do. We do have until the end of 2024 to spend all of this flow through so we can spread it out over two years, essentially. Um, So we're just trying to determine more than likely um, we will start up a second drill at Crane Hill um, sometime in the next three or four months um, because we will be wanting to test some deeper targets. These footwall environments can go very deep. Um, There's been you know, some drilling in the first 300 meters from surface, but historically the Crane Hill mine was mined down to approximately 1400 meters. So there's a lot of mineral rich environment in the footwall that has never been tested. It was not a focus of INCO because they were very much focused on nickel. Typically these footwall deposits are um, predominantly chalcopyrite copper mineralization with PGMs, with a, a nickel byproduct, which could be significant, but they're not the the massive sulfide nickel type, foot or contact deposits that Inco mines. So very um, underexplored footwall. So when we want to start drilling some deeper holes, it probably makes sense to bring in a second drill so we can test both shallow targets and deep targets, and and keep that information flow coming.
1: Right. So okay, let's be clear because there's there's a there's a lot. Well, m- most of your uh, most most of your nickel is shallow, right? So that's, that's presumably. Open pit territory. You're talking about drilling much deeper. You're going to be talking about going underground, chasing well presumably high grade. So, what what does that need to look like for you? Again, based on your past experience, in terms of what do the grades need to continue to look like to, for that to be economic?
0: So, you know, I'm not going to speculate on on being economic, but right now we have a, a large sixteen point eight million ton indicated open pit resource that, that we've published. Um, we also have 14.5 million tons below that pit in an underground resource at approximately 2.07 percent nickel equivalent. So very polymetallic, you know, copper, nickel, cobalt, platinum, palladium, gold. But if you look at that in comparison to a lot of the mines that are operating in Sudbury, that that's sort of the range that they're running in grade-wise, you know, plus or minus. So. It's not inconceivable and I think it's quite logical to make an assumption that a large portion of that 14 and a half million tonnes uh, of resource could be mineable economically. So this is what the PA is really looking at. So again, if you look at, I'm just going to throw a number out there, this is just a number, but let's say it was 10 million tonnes of, of the 14 and a half million tonnes was actually mineable. You could put into a mine plan, put scope design around it. Um, and at, Sort of resource grades plus or minus. Uh, you could mine a million tons a year from underground for 10 years. So it's a considerable large resource. Uh, what we're really looking to do is make a, you know, expand on those resources. And we do have a strong optimism that we can expand on them at depth uh, because that was not the focus of Lawnman Canada prior to us acquiring it. Um, they were looking for low sulfide PGMs, not these typical contact nickel style of mineralization. Um, so there are areas that were just not extended to depth, especially in our west deposit, but also in the footwall where we can see potentially if we make a discovery that looks anything like what we see in the 109, in the in the 101, or similar to other footwall deposits that you know members of our team discovered while with F and X, um, it could be you know, even higher margin potentially because Sudbury does have rich footwall environments. So. That's what we're looking for um, with our exploration. So extending on the existing resources, um, that could, you know, extend beyond the fourteen and a half million tons that we currently have, as well as looking for these new potentially very rich footwall um, deposits.
1: Right. Okay. So in terms, in terms, understand about the the you know g- going deeper, looking at the underground um, opportunity um, ahead of you, but in terms of what the money is going to be allocated for. It's, it's a big resource already. Do you, is this a case of Canadian style, let's just kind of build the biggest resource possible? Or in which case, someone will come along and it's very attractive, someone will come along and, and and take us out. That's the usual management line in terms of strategy. Or are you serious about the tolling component? Are you serious about you know being in the district, being a producer in the district? In which case, what are the other things that Need to be on the table, or at least the the option of having on the table, in terms of whether it be building answers through acquisition, acquisition of your own milling, uh, uh, pro, you know, capabilities, etc. Because um, look, like, it's been a, it's a you've been successful since December, right? So it's very early days, very early days. Um, but you can't help but sort of, you know, look at these things and get excited about these things. But where does that sit in your current management strategy?
0: So when it comes to, you know, how serious are we about toll milling? Um, we're very serious. It's This is something we've done before successfully, and I see it as a, a great option for us. And so we are looking at it in the PEA. We are having discussions with the owners of the mills here in Sudbury. And, you know, we'll be able to get more guidance on that, you know, in the next quarter or two, but it is something we see as a, a path forward that would allow us to become potentially, you know, cash flow positive, not need to go back to the market to raise additional money to advance both Shakespeare, um, potentially fund other accretive acquisitions in the basin, uh, potentially expand production. Um, from an initial toll milling at Crane Hill. So we see a lot of benefits in in controlling our own destiny and and moving forward. We also see it as low risk because we've done it before. We really understand it. Um, We understand the ins and outs of of what's required. Um, And, you know, we would not want to, let's say, for example, you know, take on a bunch of debt before we were cash flow positive. So we see this as a, a good option going forward um, because it's close to surface potentially. Um, and we'll see once we get the PE out potentially, you know, we may have enough cash to actually get to the point where we have revenues coming in. So these are the things we're going to sort through. We don't have a hundred percent allocated use of proceeds right now. Um, we have optionality. We have two years to spend the flow through, uh, we're going to be topped up, you know, with the additional hard dollars that we're raising. So we're going to have a lot of flexibility. And again, um, looking at, you know, where best to allocate that cash over the next two years.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, which is great. And I hope that someday we'll, in the future, we'll talk about that um Again, just, just sticking with the toll milling. Is it a buyer's market at the moment? Is there a lot of capacity in the Sudbury uh, region? Um, you know, and quite frankly, you know, distance, trucking distance obviously makes changes the economics somewhat as well. So how, have you started conversations? When do you think you need to start conversations? And, you know, more importantly, the capacity component, does that put you in the front foot or, or will you just you know, will, will, will the mills actually control that conversation?
0: So, we have been having conversations um, with the owners of the mills, you know, for months and months, um, in pretty open dialogue. There is definitely interest in, in working with Magna. Um, both of the uh, the majors who have mills here in the basin seem to have interest in discussions, let's put it that way. So, we'll see where that all goes. Um, the one thing we do have that in the past, when I worked for FNX, that we didn't have is the option of saying, we don't have to take this, these terms. We will take it somewhere else, or we will build our own mill and continue to grow the resource while we're doing that. So we do have a bit of, of leverage and, and flexibility on how we move forward. That being said, you know, I would say that the two majors in Sudbury, I would consider them partners to a you know some degree. Um, there is a a I think a desire to work together. Um, there's opportunities, there's things that don't make sense to the majors um, that make a lot of sense to us. And I think that they see opportunity for both companies to benefit. So I'm very positive on it. I think it's, a, uh, it's an, definitely an opportunity, not a challenge having the two majors in the camp with operating mills that have excess capacity that could toll mill our, our material.
1: Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because, you know, th- those negotiations, you know, um, you know, both parties have got to feel that they're getting what they want out of it. But um, from your perspective, it it's really important for theirs. It, is it important at the moment, given, given the market conditions? Are they able to fill their mills? Are they, you know, how much operating capacity have they got for – for people like yourselves.
0: You know, and I can't really speak for them, and, and some of the discussions are confidential, but what I can tell you is there is capacity. Um, they are not at full capacity. They definitely, um, and, and this is a blanket statement, but, you know, for the past decade or more, probably the last 12 years, Sudbury has been very much undercapitalized. There was a period there where nickel was out of favor, prices were very low, and there was very little investment into capital to extend resources you know new developments and open up new deposits so there's definitely a catch up by the majors i would say right now and you know with the strong outlook for you know battery metals uh, there is capital being invested but that you can't turn that on overnight you know some of the projects that the majors are working on now have four and five year build times so they'll be coming on you know down the road so there definitely is, like I said, interest to work with someone like us who can be quite nimble, make decisions quickly, um, have resources that are shallow, and, and can be, you know, easily brought into production from a permitting perspective. You know, brownfield site, um, small footprint, those types of uh, advantages, and uh, and we're continuing to have those conversations. And you know, again, we hope to give more guidance in the coming months. But uh, it is very positive, and it is a goal this year um, for us to be able to have permits to at least get a bulk sample to have a better understanding and potentially ship some some rock that we couldn't get paid for.
1: Right. And so what's the capacity what's the limit on the bulk sample? In terms uh, of not, not in terms of you know how many samples can can you can you do and how much what's the total tonnage before And they these go? are discussions, Uh-oh.
0: you know, having with the ministry. <laughs> typically in Ontario, a fifty thousand ton bulk sample is uh is pretty standard. Um there's That's cases one-off. where it, one off and then Okay. And there's cases where it's gone up to 100,000 tons. Um, so that would be sort of the size of a initial bulk sample. But what that does is it really demonstrates a whole bunch of things, including, you know, being a good steward of the environment and, and allows um, a better understanding to give support for commercial operating um, permits.
1: So what what would that, again, give us some clues, obviously not talking about yourself, but just generally in the market, you know, Sudbury, you said there's, you know, lots of players in there. If it was 50, if it was that fifty thousand uh ton at say two percent nickel i don't know what these what the toll mill agreements look like is it is it 50 50 on the net number or how how how, what's, how does these things typically get
0: negotiated They're negotiation is what i can tell you and it again it's very confidential uh, you know these uh everyone wants to sort of keep their their cars close to their chest so to speak so yeah. you know what i can say is that uh you know, in the past, FNX, you know, typically would mine 1.2 to 1.4 percent nickel. You know, the copper mineralization they mined was anywhere between two and well, as high as 10 percent copper in some deposits. But you know, FNX made a lot of money at at sort of you know varying parts of the the metal cycle. Um, so we believe that you know with the grades we have. You, the economics are similar. We think it can be, it can be profitable, but again, we're doing our PA and we're getting a better understanding. And at this time we don't have terms, so we can't say anything for sure, but we're pretty optimistic.
1: I'm just I'm trying to work out what sort of um, financial contribution, the 50,000 ton could, could bring to the company there. and there. And then in turn, what one could do with that, you know, in terms of ballparks, you'd hope for somewhere between this and this, and what, 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 what would they look like?
0: Well, so the benefit of doing a, a bulk sample, and, and there's multiple benefits. But one of them is you can drill off a deposit, and especially these footwall deposits, which are Breccia hosted, you have class of you know unmineralized country rock with sulfide mineralization wrapping around in the matrix. And you know, what we've drilled in the, the one oh nine foot wall, which is that low sulfide with that high massive sulfide core, as well as the one oh one, that they're both in those environments. So until you actually get in and you start following these, these systems, these, um, this matrix of massive sulfides, it's really challenging to accurately model unless you're drilling it off at 10 meter spacings. So there's a real benefit in getting in, chasing some of these, and I'll call them sharp walled veins because essentially that's what they are, wrapping around these blocks and, and understanding better so you can increase confidence in your mind design going forward. Now, that being said, if you're chasing and doing selective mining on some of these sharp walled veins, um, and we did this at FNX, there's not a lot of dilution. Now you can go and bulk mine it and, and take a lot of dilution around these class. So there's different ways to, to mine, different mining methods that are effective. But at FNX, we did a lot of selective mining because if you're paying a toll milling cost and you have to pay to truck that ore to the toll mill, you know, the more metal in every truck, the more advantageous it is. So, you know, if we use selective mining, there's potential, you know, definitely some of the bulk sample Could be much higher than 2% uh, nickel equivalent. So there is a, uh, you know, if you start talking at 22 pounds of nickel per ton and you have 2%, there's 44 pounds and you start looking at what's nickel today, 12 bucks US, 1650 Canadian times that times 44, it starts to add up. Now, if we were mining material that's substantially higher than that, which is potential for some of it to be higher than that. Um, you know, maybe you could double that. So it starts to become very valuable rock. Um, But what it really does, it gives us the understanding to build a better plan. And once you start mining, it's much easier to have supportive stakeholders. You're hiring people, things, good things are happening. Um, You have some cash coming in. So it is a nice way to transition from a bulk sample into steady state, um, toll milling production. Now, again, very forward-looking. May or may not happen, but we've done it before. Our teams done it before. I've personally done it here in Sudbury before. We understand the process. We understand all the players. You know, we have great relationships with with the service providers here, such as the mining contractors. So there is a uh, we see a very obvious path forward. Um, but again, we'll be able to give more guidance on that in in the next. Call it three to four months.
1: Okay, well let's let's come back to that another time. So that, that's brilliant. Thank you for that sure. answer. Um, so just just confirm for me so the, the the delivery of the PEA. You're you're aiming for when?
0: Uh, early in Q two. Early Q two.
1: Just say Q two. You don't know, break for your own <laughs> back there. Um, right. Okay. In which case, let's go to the money back back to the money if we if we may. So you obviously got this sixty million of flow through, uh, in. Who was it? Was it mostly retail, or did you start? You started getting the interest of some of these institutional guys. What's, what's the mix?
0: Yeah, so we had a uh, a tremendous. We have a great institutional uh, shareholder list, and we've had some very big funds. Um, some of the biggest invest that invest in in mining companies and um, reach out to us. And basically, most of the financing was done with with uh, two institutions. The bulk of it. Um, and then you know some existing investors came in and um, as well as you know a small number of retail um, investors who are already in the story um, that follow us closely. so it was a very small group. Um, we were able to get the book closed very quickly essentially as soon as it opened it 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 basically was ninety percent full. So uh, yeah, it was great. It was uh, it was you know, I have to say it was a lot easier than our twenty million dollars financing in the summer.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, no, nothing, nothing was easy back then. Um, so I'm um, just again give some clues. Are you saying these are two new institutional um, buyers, or do they come from the the some of the top shareholders you've already got in the new. shape of Dundee, Hawks, or Haywood?
0: Yeah, two new. Yeah. I, I new. can't say one hundred percent that they hadn't bought some in the market, but they're new okay. to Predominantly placements.
1: Okay, and and that puts them at what percentage roughly?
0: You know, I have to get back to you, but under ten for sure.
1: Okay, 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 okay. Um, that is fair enough. Okay, um, just so just on just on that, in terms of the structure of these things, people always you know get concerned over the way that these deals get structured, and and the games that are played. You know, in terms of um, people invest in these um, placements because they want the warrants and they dump the stock in the market. You've, you, like m- a lot of these types of deals have got a four month hold. Um, I'm gonna ask you the obvious question because it happens every single time a company does this. Is uh, what happens when that hold comes off? Should, should people be concerned? Is that a, mo- uh, is that a kind of sticking, uh, so is that a moment where you think perhaps you could get um, impacted negatively?
0: Well, I think that, uh, you know, from our perspective, it's not something we're worried about because it's not like our stocks perform very poorly. We, you know, did the 27 cent financing at a peak and now everybody wants to get out, you know, and run for the hills. We have very, very happy investors. Um, You know, the stock's up, well, we did 27 cents and we're somewhere in north of a dollar today. Um, So investors are very happy. Now, that being said, uh, in the 27 cent financing, it was really two big shareholders who are insiders um, that participated in that. Plus management and board and other insiders took up, you know, another good chunk of that. So, you know, all in all, let's say of that $20 million financing that we did, that's coming off the end of this month, I'm going to become free trading. uh, At least 65 to 70% of it is, is people that are long-term investors. They're not selling, if they did sell, they'd have to report it, put it that way. So of the other percentage, um, again, many of them are, are, very happy. Some of them may have to, uh, sell some to just rebalance their portfolios because it's gone up now and maybe it's too large of a weighting. So they may want to trim a little bit or may have to trim a little bit, but at the same time, because there was lots of appetite for our financing, many institutions did not get anything. Or did not get their fill because we essentially just had two big institutions come in and, and take it up. So we do expect that there's, and we've been trading lots of shares. There's still lots of appetite in the market for institutional investors that can buy up big chunks if some come available. So we're really not too worried about it. Um, and again, it's not like there's anyone shorting the stock because they think there's going to be a financing. The financing's done. We're not raising no more money. So I think that, uh, yeah, it's not something we're really worried about, but obviously it's, it's a question we get asked quite regularly. Um, and we're, you know, we think that now with this financing done and the fact that large investors came in and, and participated in this financing at a dollar 10 on the hard dollar end, um, shows that you know, they're not overly concerned as well.
1: Right. Okay. So, and I guess, final question is really in terms of the, the, the makeup of the, of the resource and perhaps we could get you come back on to a slightly more technical, um, you know, in, interview um, with regards to the, the, the drill results um, that you've seen so far. But um, for today, um, just keep it kind of fairly high level in terms of the, the, the makeup, um, of the commodities that you're looking at, obviously we're, we're talking nickel, but it's a nickel equivalents, and you've talked about copper and PGMs and gold and, and 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 all sorts. Are you seeing much variance in terms of the contribution from the the kind of the derivatives um, that that you're you're saying?
0: You know, Matt, that's a great question, and I think we touched on one of our previous interviews. You know, are you a nickel company or you're a PGM company? What are you focused on? And, the great thing about Sudbury is that it really is a polymetallic camp. So different zones within the same mine footprint can have, you know, very different economics based on the metals that are in them. So for example, the first two holes we released were in the 101 footwall zone that were, you know, 95% of the economics, 90% of the economics were from nickel and with a very small amount of copper, PGMs and cobalt, whereas you know, the, the 109 foot wall zone was very much economically driven by precious metals um, with a byproduct of base metals. So, and then you have the, your typical contact style mineralization, which is probably 95% of the mining that's been done in Sudbury over the last hundred years. And it's a one to one nickel to copper with just a little bit of cobalt and precious metals. So, we have all three of those styles of mineralization right now. The mix of how we're going to mine them will be largely driven by you know proper mine sequencing, but it'll also be driven by if copper is, is much higher, we may want to produce more copper. So we'll be looking more at these contact zones where it's one-to-one nickel to copper. If nickel's higher and, and say precious metals come off, we may decide not to mine very much of the 109 foot wall zone. The nice thing about toll milling, if that's the route that we're going to go in the near term, is that you can be flexible. And we did this at FNX. In 2000 and um, at the end of 2008, after the financial crisis, and we had to restructure our operations, we actually shut down a bunch of our nickel mining and focused on the the copper rich, precious metal rich footwall environments. And that's where all of our mining came from, because that's where the economics made sense. And we were able to do that pivot and you know be, be quite profitable from it. So that's, that's the great thing we have. So right now I can't tell you, but we do have a lot of flexibility. And each one of those deposits, I think, you know, it could be a standalone deposit um, in some of the holes, and this is just a, a something I've noticed in looking at some of the best intersections that have come out um, over the you know the past month. Um, often, you know, you look at the top twenty copper intercepts. You know, one of our copper intercepts, even from our uh, low sulfide footwall zone, and copper as a byproduct, made it in the top twenty best intercepts, and. So it is kind of uh, we do have great, you know, grades in all our deposits for multiple metals. It'll be an interesting mix. It'll
1: be an interesting mix and, and, and lots of options on the table. But um, and maybe you can come back on, we'll get a little bit more technical next time. I think people would be fascinated given that optionality um, and what's happening in the market with commodity prices. But. Um, Hopes for this year beyond the PEA. What happens next?
0: So big program, um, lots of exploration going to be happening. Like I say both at Crane Hill and at Shakespeare. Uh, you know our base case, which we had already um, you know give guidance on back in December. We will have two drills turning one out at Shakespeare um, by Q two, and then one at uh, Crane Hill. More than likely, we're going to ramp up the Crane Hill drilling um, because of you know the extra funding we're going to have. Uh, we'll be looking for footwall targets. So, you know, I think obviously exploration is high risk, but I think we have a better than industry average chance of finding something in the footwall, just based on the experience and the information we have. And we have two um, footwall mineralized rich corridors to explore further out from from the main deposit. The other thing is, is we will be, you know, working very hard on putting together a early mining plan. And again, we hope to give guidance on that in the next three to five months, and potentially that could be, you know, starting some kind of bulk sample advanced exploration, you know, within the next twelve months. That's our target. There's always a chance it gets delayed, but you know that's what we're really working hard on this year.
1: Brilliant, Jason. Thanks for uh, talking to us today. See you soon. Thanks a lot, Matt. Take care.